Hello, I wanted to take a moment to thank you for listening and also to explain why you might hear ads like this before, during, or even after an episode. We're a small but mighty team here at Realm, and to help fund our shows, we promote products or services that we think you'd enjoy from a variety of sponsors. If any of our ads interest you, one of the best ways to support us is by visiting the link or using the promo code in the ad. It's pretty much a win-win since you can get some great deals and we can keep making awesome shows like this one. You can also visit realm.fm slash partners for more information about our sponsors and how to access the different promotions. Thanks again for joining us in our corner of the universe. Listen away. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Realm presents Book Burners, Season 2, Episode 18. The woman had vanished. One moment she was there, the next he had sent his fist crashing into the brick wall that had been just behind her head. Nay trick, that, thought Liam. But where had she gone? He'd chased her all the way to the edge of the village, where there was nothing but sheep and what remained of farmers' cottages, their filled-in windows a testament to the greed of the landlords and the poverty and ingenuity of their tenants, and also a brick wall. A brick wall built into the side of a hill, which she supposed was why he'd never noticed it before. Had anyone noticed it? He couldn't remember seeing it in the village surveys. Liam ran his hand along the brick side of the structure, hidden under the overhanging grassy top of the hill. It certainly provided some camouflage, but it wasn't exactly impossible to find, either. Who had been in charge of mapping this sector? Liam tried to remember, but couldn't. He hoped it wasn't him. Regardless, they should have noticed this place. There was a drab industrial steel door set into the bricks with a yellow and black hazard sign. Must be some kind of fallout shelter, probably put in during the Cold War. A wall and a door built over the mouth of a natural cave, stocked with supplies and then abandoned for the last half century, left to the rats and the bugs, and... Yeah, that would make for quite the disruptive force in their system models. Not to mention a comfy home for about a billion spiders. Liam shuddered at the thought. Better go back to the pub. Christina's waiting. Except the pub was also full of spiders. It really made more sense to take on the problem at its source if he was going to have to deal with it anyway. Liam's grip closed around the handle. That's probably lock. There was no way to know unless he tried. Liam pressed down on the latch. As he did so, the door shuddered and rattled under his hand. As though something horrible on the other side was battering at it, trying to get out. Four. Liam looked at the untouched beer and row of shots lined up in front of him. Why weren't they empty by now? Because I don't get blasted out of my skull anymore. Where had that talk come from? 
Excessive drinking was exactly what was called for after an encounter like the one he just had down by the old fallout shelters. What happened at the fallout shelters? Even now, his mind shied away from thinking about it. The rattle at the door and, can you remember what you did last week? Yesterday? The book burners, Grace's words echoed, mocking. But that was different. Of course he remembered last week. He'd been working. As for yesterday, well, yesterday was a bit foggy, but as his hangover when he woke up attested, he had been drinking a lot. Because that was a thing he did. The line of glasses remained untouched before him on the bar. Sansoni caught up to Father Manchu as he was on his way to pay a visit to Monsignor Fox. She fell into step beside him. You can't do this. Think it through, play it smart. Manchu did not break stride. Play what smart? You've talked to Aunt Julie, you've talked to Shaw. Now you're on your way to get answers from Fox. And I'm telling you that's going to go badly for you. What do you care? I spend my professional life cleaning up other people's messes. I'd rather not have to do it in my own house. When Manchu didn't answer, she tried again. Look, for what it's worth, I'm sorry about Liam, she said. That's not worth much, he bit back. Sansoni stopped walking. Since she planted herself in front of Manchu, he, perforce, stopped as well. One of your people is missing, so I'll let that go. But what is wrong with you? Liam is missing. Fox is setting him up as a traitor. Someone has to stop him, and if you aren't going to help, you can get out of my way. And just how are you planning to stop Fox? Sansoni asked. Sheer force of bluster. When he did not immediately answer, she knew she had him. Think about it, Arturo. Fox is a blunt instrument, but if he's setting Liam up, he's doing it for a reason. What does he gain if the heads of the society believe Liam is a spy? It discredits Team 3. If we didn't know we had them all in our midst, it throws a shadow on my abilities as a field leader. It undermines Asante. Your most recent op was a disaster, and Asante has done plenty to undermine herself. Fox doesn't have to give either of you any help putting nooses around your necks. Think bigger. What else? Manchu gave her a penetrating and hateful look, but he thought about it. This is about Aunt Julie. Fox wants the powers that be to lose faith in Julie so that he can become cardinal instead. So glad you could catch up with the rest of us. Now do you understand why barging into Fox's office isn't going to make this any better? Sansoni was halfway down the hall when Manchu's voice caught her. There's only one way to disprove the accusation about Liam. Help me bring him home. What do you want me to do? You've got the orb, I've got a train full of people, all of whom carry internet-enabled recording devices that I need to make sure I'm putting the society's operatives on YouTube. Sansoni made to leave, but Manchu jogged up and caught her elbow. I don't care, he said. Don't care about what, she asked. I don't care that you're busy. I don't care what people are saying. I don't care about the politics. I just want to get Liam back and you're going to help. Am I? Why? Because you don't want Fox to be cardinal any more than I do. And because after what your team did to my team, you owe us. Sansoni's expression sobered. Desmet and DeVos's bad acts aren't a card that you're going to be able to play forever. Eventually, you're going to run out of favors. Manchu returned her stare with one of his own. I don't care. An older woman, dark-skinned, sat down beside Liam at the bar. Mind if I join you? Liam shook his head. My name is Asante, she said. You look like you've had a frustrating day.
Liam grunted. You could say that. Anything in particular? Nothing you can help me with. Okay. The woman sat there, seemingly content to let the silence linger, undisturbed. Liam stared at his beer. He took a sip. It didn't taste like much. There was something else, something beyond his own memories or the fallout shelter. Something with the pub. Do you see any spiders in here? He asked the woman. The question was abrupt, out of nowhere. She wasn't bothered by it. She looked around, eyes scanning carefully in the dark corners of the room before returning to him. No, not really. This pub was full of spiders. When? Earlier. Liam looked around the room. I guess they're gone now. Are spiders in the local pub a frequent problem in this village? No, well, kind of, yeah, not specifically. The woman raised an eyebrow. Not specifically? Liam sat back in his chair. Not specifically spiders. Tell me about it, she offered. Maybe I can help. The pub was quiet, and she was easy to talk to, so Liam told her about the algae and the spiders and the complex systems, although he left out the beta test and the network's projects, because while his balls might still be a little sore, that didn't mean he wanted Christina to remove them for him. The woman nodded and listened and didn't interrupt until Liam was finished. Have you thought that it might be a systemic issue? Yeah, but hell if I know where the vermin are coming from. Couldn't you isolate the systems you're interested in? Use an aquarium or an ant colony, something you can control? That would kind of be missing the whole point right there. A light of recognition sparked in the woman's eyes. Of course, that's why you're called the network. Liam reached out to grab her arm. The woman flinched. What do you know about the network? Nothing. Liam could practically smell the lie coming off her, but whatever he might have said next was cut off by the door to the pub swinging open with a bang. Christina was livid, as angry as Liam had ever seen her. He didn't think this was about the non-working relays, or even the fact that he was drinking when he was supposed to be working. Barely drinking, Liam pointed out to himself. Christina glared at Asante. Get the hell out. Asante was unbothered by Christina's snarl. I have as much right to be here as you do. Liam doesn't seem to mind. I mind, said Christina. Beside Liam, Asante coughed and kept coughing. And then she wasn't coughing because she couldn't inhale. Liam wondered if he should give her the Heimlich or something. What was she choking on? She never had gotten a drink. Where was the landlord? It was like he had vanished. The way Grace had. The way Asante did. Right before his eyes. One instant, she was sitting in the pub, and the next, she was gone. Liam turned back to Christina, still standing in the doorway of the pub, perfectly calm. What the fuck just happened? He demanded. What do you mean? She asked. A woman just vanished, and you ask, what do you mean? She didn't vanish, said Christina. She didn't? She got up and she left. You must have been distracted. Distracted? You've had a long day. Maybe you should take a rest. Christina took Liam by the hand and guided him over to the chenille-covered couch in his bedroom. Wait, that one, right? How did we get here? Christina pressed Liam's shoulders until he sat down and then slid herself onto his lap. What do you mean, we walked? No, we were in the pub and then we were here. How did that happen? Okay, it's time for you to take a break. Christina's fingers found the hem of Liam's t-shirt and began working it up his chest. I've been pushing you too hard. 
I'm sorry. As she said it, Liam realized it was true. He was exhausted, had been for weeks. He'd been working so hard for so long. He should take a break, especially if they were talking the kind of break that Christina seemed to have in mind. He looked into her eyes, two black pools. They were so deep as though they went on forever. He heard her voice in his ear. This time, I'll show you the vastness. Show me the vastness, Liam. The words echoed in his memory, but a memory that did not match this place, this past. He caught Christina's wrists. What did you say? Nothing. Why are we doing this? Don't you want to? I thought we needed to get the relays running for the beta test. They can wait. With the book burners already on to us. Christina's hands on his chest stilled. What the hell is going on here, Christina? He remembered the first question the American woman had asked him by the pond. Where is this place? He felt Christina's nails dig in at his ribs, and the fatigue he'd felt was suddenly exponentially stronger, coming on him like a wave. His vision dimmed, and with the last bit of strength he had, Liam pushed Christina off his lap, forced himself to his feet, and stumbled blindly out the door and into the night. We can imagine many potential futures. Some serve as inspiration, others, warnings. Wondery offers one possibility of the future in their new show, The Last City. The year is 2072, and the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geo-engineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Five. As Liam got farther from the flat, his head began to clear. Eventually, he let his steps slow, legs and lungs burning, trying to make sense of what was happening. The night was dark, but not completely. Windows glowed in a few of the houses. The streetlights flickered on and off. A dull glow came from the direction of the pub. The glow was accompanied by the sound of people shouting, a lot of people. A mob carrying torches and moving toward him. Oh, fuck. Confronted with the threat of an angry mob bearing torches, with or without pitchforks, Liam wasn't eager to let them get close enough to find out. Liam ran for shelter. Since there were no windmills handy, he went for the other traditional option for those in need of sanctuary, a church. Liam entered the small stone building and took a moment to lean his weight against the doors while he waited for his eyes to adjust to the dim interior. It wasn't a large space, just a single room with a few side niches and four rows of pews. The sanctuary was lit with candles that filled the space with a warm, flickering glow. At the front, near the altar, stood a priest. He turned and saw Liam looking at him. Do you know me? He asked. Liam studied his tanned features, his dark mustache. Certainly not Father Mernon from his childhood. Should I? Liam asked. The priest waved this away, as though it was an unimportant detail. In this place, maybe not. What is going on here? Liam asked. The priest sighed. I'm honestly not sure. Liam, who had been walking toward the altar, plunked down into the front pew at his pronouncement. Well, pardon my French, but that's really fucking helpful, Father. Menchu. Huh? Father Menchu. Oh, well, pardon my French, Father Menchu, but that's really fucking helpful. That's often the case with the truth, unfortunately, Menchu said. But that doesn't mean that we can avoid it indefinitely. Eventually, it will come after you. He said this with sufficient weight that Liam suspected the priest wasn't speaking hypothetically. Are you trying to tell me that I've been avoiding the truth? For all the years that I've known you, you weren't without your reasons for doing so, and it didn't seem to do you any harm, so I thought it best to let you find your truth in your own time. However, I think those reasons may have outlived their usefulness. A pause. I'm sorry about that. The dim sound of people chanting from outside didn't easily penetrate the thick stone walls of the church, but it was there, and growing incrementally louder. What truth have I been hiding from? That that woman was right, that I've been working as a book burner? Or is the big bombshell supposed to be that none of this? He gestured to the room around him. It's real. If Father Manchu was either disappointed or impressed by Liam's deductions about the nature of reality, he didn't show them. This place might not exist in the strictest sense of the word, he said, but that was not the self-deception that I was speaking of. Are you gonna quit beating around the bush and tell me what you are speaking of, or are we just gonna stick with the vague hints until the mob shows up? The mob might be kinder. Yeah, but I'll be dead. Spill it. 
Do you remember going to Prague a little less than 10 years ago? Liam snorted. With you? No, with Christina. And that brought Liam up short, because of course he remembered Prague. Sweden had been amazing. The days were a rush and the nights went on forever. Liam had given up sleeping so long ago that the others didn't even bother to remark on it anymore. That's just Liam, he doesn't sleep. It was all the fun of drugs without the side effects. Well, there was one side effect, but Liam was so busy sucking down life and work and Christina that he didn't have time to breathe most days, let alone worry about the state of his immortal soul. Besides, the thing in his head never called itself a demon. But Sweden was just a stopover, somewhere between an alibi and a test run for the real objective, Prague. They found the site inside the old city through a combination of research, magic, and Liam's gut. Prague had always been a bit of a nexus for magic. The first known golem being made there was only the most well-known example. Even the least sensitive skeptic had to admit there was something strange going on in a city that inspired people to throw their political enemies out of windows every 200 years or so. And with the help of his little passenger, Liam had found the source of that strangeness, where two ley lines intersected precisely on the border between Western and Central Europe. An intersection and a border combined, which was the perfect place to bring things together. They'd smuggled in the supplies themselves, unobserved by elderly neighbors, still habituated by years of Soviet rule to keeping themselves out of anyone's business but their own. The small ground floor flat had been stripped to the studs, floor taken up, and old foundations scraped away until the bare earth was exposed. The only concessions to human habitation were the remains of a kitchenette still intact along one wall and a bed tucked into the opposite corner. Piles of computer equipment covered everywhere else. No one knew what the equipment was for, not even Christina. Well, not officially. If she had her theories, she had kept them to herself. In fact, she'd agreed to go along with the project so quickly that he suspected she knew exactly what was going on. But she let him pretend that she had no idea what he was planning when he kissed her goodbye and boarded a train bound for the Czech Republic. His hands shook, and not from the cold of the continental winter, not just from that, anyway, as he made the final connections. The computers had been laid out precisely in positions on the dirt floor that Liam knew were vital, even if he did not consciously understand why. Knowing wasn't important, only doing. The layout connected the computers to the earth, the cables connected the computers to each other. Liam lifted the final wire, the one that would connect him to everything. He hadn't been afraid before he made the connection. There was excitement, certainty that he was about to experience the wonder of the universe and the universal consciousness in all of its power and glory, amen. Once he made the connection, there had been no room for fear. His entire existence was reduced to a white-hot overload of information and consilience that no human brain was designed to accommodate, and horrible, unbearable pain. He couldn't tell if it lasted for seconds or years. Time stretched and compressed simultaneously. He lost all sense of his body, except that his flesh was being stretched beyond bearing, as though he was being pulled apart at the edge of a black hole, until it stopped. Christina had followed him, broken the connection, taken him back to the village to recover and begin the work again. No, that wasn't what had happened. He remembered. He remembered everything. Liam looked at the priest, at Father Menchu. 
How had he forgotten Father Menchu? It was you. Prague was where you found me. He nodded. Whatever you were doing lit up the orb like we'd never seen before. We found you alone, connected to a network of machines, all working with no visible power source. We pulled you out. You were in a coma for weeks. Liam didn't remember the coma, but he remembered that part of the story being explained to him before, when he had woken up. I remember what we were doing now. I didn't then, he added hastily. Honestly, I didn't lie to you. I know, said Menchu. The only person you ever lied to was yourself. A pause. I punched Grace in the face. She'll forgive you, but only if you survive this. How do I get out? I don't know. But Asante just vanished. Grace, too. Can't I do that somehow? We've been trying to reach you through the orb because you're still linked to it. The network either doesn't know that or hasn't figured out how to disconnect you from it. But we're not connected to whatever this world is in the same way you are. It's easy for us to leave because at a fundamental level, we don't belong. That's not the case for you. Of course not. If we could find your body, we might be able to help. I don't suppose you know where the network would have taken you? Liam shook his head. The shouting outside was getting louder. Then you're going to have to find a way to wake yourself up. Liam tried to think. Now that his own mind had come back to him, and more of it than he'd had in a long time, but he couldn't dwell on that now. He could recognize the bits and pieces that surrounded him. Uh, the village feels like a mashup of a couple different places in Ireland. Uh, the pub is from around Kinsale. This church was in a town outside Dublin. It must be easier for Christina to fool my brain into thinking that this place is familiar if most of the landmarks actually are. Manchu nodded. Even if that means that you really are in Ireland, that's still a larger area than our team can effectively search. Liam nodded, not really paying attention. He realized that it wasn't just the pub or the church. Everything in the village was familiar, except for one place. And when he'd gone there, it had warned him away with a feeling of foreboding and an actual fucking warning sign. And when those didn't work, it had bounced him out, hard. Liam risked a look out one of the church's narrow windows. The mob outside had nearly reached them, but he still had a little room to work with. Liam? Manchu's voice broke into his thoughts. I need to get to the edge of town. Manchu did not waste time asking him why. What can I do? Think you can distract the angry mob? Manchu, or the projection of Manchu in his mind, or whatever it was, smiled. I can do that. Liam ran. He hadn't asked what Manchu had in mind for mob distraction tactics. He wasn't sure he wanted to know. The mob hadn't spotted him as he left the church, and that was good enough for him. The distraction wouldn't last for very long. He was trying to hide inside a world that might have been constructed out of pieces of his memories, but which was ultimately controlled by someone else. The minute Christina realized that he wasn't where she thought he was, she'd be right on his heels. Before that happened, he had to get to the fallout shelters. It could be a futile gesture, but part of what had gone wrong in Prague was that he had been so focused on finding a way to connect to the network he had built for himself, it hadn't occurred to him until it was too late that he hadn't thought to put in a way out. The society would have destroyed the remains of his setup when they found him, and even Christina hadn't known all of the details. But Liam wasn't the only one who knew what he had been doing. 
He had, after all, had a passenger at the time. If Christina had found the demon, or the demon had found Christina, she would be aware of his previous error and would have corrected it. Even if she wasn't in league with evil, magical spirits, she'd always been smarter than he was. That was part of what the demon had promised him. You'll never be good enough for her, not on your own. And once she knows who you really are, you'll lose her. Of course, he'd lost her anyway. That was the way demons worked. But while he'd been possessed, he hadn't cared. Afterward, he'd been too busy hating himself to love anyone. Liam could hear the voices behind him now, imagined he could feel the heat of torches getting closer. He didn't look back, couldn't afford to. He was nearly there. The fallout shelters loomed. The door visibly rattled against its frame. Liam didn't even break his stride. His secrets couldn't hurt him anymore. He knew their shape and their stature. They were terrible. But the only cure for what lurked in the darkness was the light. Liam hit the door running with all of his strength, holding nothing back. He felt it shatter, and he found himself face to face with the terrible thing inside. Liam skidded to a stop. Hello, Liam. Remember me? The last time that Liam had heard that voice, it had been inside his head. An hour ago, he wouldn't have recognized it. Now, he knew the truth. He was staring at a demon. He was staring at his demon. He had never seen it when he was possessed. Now he was glad he hadn't. It filled the cave, sparks flickering inside it like lightning through a cloud. Liam's mind rebelled at the manifestation of a thing it had never been meant to comprehend. Evil spirit, I bind you in the name of Jesus. Really, Liam, don't you think we're past standing on ceremony, you and I? The demon rushed toward him and Liam felt a sudden tremendous pressure squeezing his chest. We used to be quite close. Yeah, and then Father Manchu and the society kicked your ass all the way back where you came from. And where do you think that was? Hell. The pressure on Liam's chest receded, and Liam could feel amusement in the demon's tone. It was an itch somewhere behind his teeth, and Liam felt an irrational urge to rip them from his skull so that he could scratch it. As I recall... I wasn't the one who came to you asking for a partnership. I never asked to be possessed. No, you wanted to be connected to all things, to knowledge, to the world, to Christina. At this last, the demon shifted again, taking on a distinctly feminine silhouette. Did you think that an apotheosis of universal knowledge meant only learning the good things? Liam wanted to run. He would have, except the mob was behind him, ready to tear him to pieces or take him to Christina. And all she had to offer him were lies. After nearly a decade, Liam finally knew himself again. He realized he wasn't willing to give that up. Come back, the demon was saying. I can see you remember me. Remember our time together? Will your new friends forgive you when they learn what you've been hiding all this time? A new memory, or an old one, came unbidden to Liam's mind. Twins, two boys in their twenties, barely grown to adulthood, melting together, their flesh knitting into a single body. They had been hackers from some country somewhere. It might have been one of the stands, but he wasn't sure now. 
He didn't think he'd ever bothered to find out. It hadn't seemed important at the time. The twins had been trying to infiltrate Liam's network, and he and the demon had noticed. Blocking them would have been trivial, but instead, Liam had baited them into coming to Sweden, to a hidden rendezvous that only he knew. They had made themselves his enemies, so he had made them into an experiment. He remembered how certain and vital it had all felt at the time. He remembered how they had screamed. In his mind, Liam could feel a dozen more memories of other acts pressing up behind that one, not all as grotesque, but each in their way equally horrible. He imagined telling Father Manchu what he had done. He imagined Sal trying to reassure him, telling him, it wasn't you, it was the demon. That's a pretty lie, the demon said, reading his thoughts. Do you believe it? He didn't. Looking at the demon now, it seemed to have absorbed the face of all his nightmares, from childhood imaginings to the broken bodies of those who had sacrificed their lives for his mad creations with the network. It's too much for a man to bear. Let me carry your burden for you. The demon was right, Liam thought. It was a load impossible for a man to carry. And yet, he had set it down for nine years of forgetfulness. And the lack had left him half a man, a prisoner of self-inflicted routines and paranoia. The time had come to own his sins. Liam looked into the face of everything he had spent the last nine years fearing. He stepped forward and let himself be consumed. There was pain and blood and blackness. In the distance, he heard Christina scream, Liam! Liam. The voice by his ear was calm and did not belong to Christina. Liam's limbs felt heavy and his head was sore, as though he had been still without eating or drinking for too long. It was nothing like the invulnerability that had been the hallmark of his possession, and so Liam embraced it. He opened his eyes and found Hilary Sansoni. Liam. Yeah. Can you walk? Slowly, joints creaking, Liam sat up, turned himself sideways on the dental chair from hell contraption he'd been lying on, and tested his weight on his legs. After a moment to think about it, they held, and he straightened. The others? As far as we can tell, your old friends at the network hooked you up here and ran as fast and far as they could. Either they meant for us to find you, or they didn't think you would survive. Liam shook his head. No, the others, team three. Sansoni didn't answer. Instead, she took one last pass around the room. It was either a tiny chalet or glorified storage shed. The windows were covered in brown, sticky paper. The only heat source was a couple of desktops on the bare floor, their fans whirring loudly in the small space. They'd been placed near the outlet for convenience, not symbolism. Liam could see his breath in the air. Finally, she said, my team's whispernet, let us hear. I decided not to get anyone's hopes up until I knew if you were going to survive. In one corner, Liam saw a chair with the remains of a meal and a scattering of cigarette butts on the floor beside it. How long were you just gonna sit here waiting? Sansoni flicked back her cuff to uncover her watch. About another 20 minutes. Good thing I woke up before you got bored and decided to smother me so you could go home. Her expression revealed nothing. Indeed. 
Liam wasn't sure what to do with that, so he sat as Ansoni quickly looked him over. Apparently satisfied with what she found, she tossed him a set of keys. Liam caught them, the tips of his fingers snagging the edge of the large plastic tag from the rental company. Your ride is outside, said Sansoni. Tank is full, map on the front seat. Liam's brain snagged on something in that statement. My ride, I'm not coming back with you. Sansoni shook her head. I was never here. She paused in the doorway before she vanished out into the night, looking back at Liam. Tell Arturo we're even. With that, she was gone. Liam stopped in the first town where he could borrow a phone and called to let the rest of the team know that he was all right. The network had left him just on the Swiss side of the Swiss-Italian border, outside Locarno. He told them not to send anyone to meet him. I'm fine, he promised them. I can get myself home, I just need a little time. Driving through the night, Liam let the cold, clear air rushing in through the open windows blow away the last vestiges of fatigue and whatever the network had drugged him with. For the first time in years, he felt whole inside his skin. The roads were clear, the car was fast. He left the darkness behind and drove toward the light of Rome. You are listening to Book Burners, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Book Burners is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Margaret Dunlap, Amal El Motar. Murr Lafferty, Andrea Phillips, and Brian Francis Slattery. Executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Performed by XE Sands. Audio production by Amanda Rose Smith, with additional editing by Corey Barton. Original theme by Hashem Asadolahi, featuring Jody Redditch Ferber and mixed by Justin Morrell. Cover art by Annie Wu. Executive in charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Find more shows like Book Burners by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm.